0: My name is Brian. I'm the student pastor here. Uh, some of you know who I am, some of you don't, but a lot of times I'm hanging out with the kids uh, across the way, but since we're all in, I get to be here this morning. Uh, so this idea of community, uh, I was thinking through in my own life, how, how have I experienced community? What examples have I had? Uh, and I was thinking back to when I was in college, uh, in my junior year, and I lived with six guys uh, in an apartment, and it was a small apartment, but it was great. We put everybody in one room, and we like, custom-made these like, wooden lofts so we could all sleep in one room. That way we could have, like, a nice little uh, party room over here, and then we had our living room. Uh, But we did a lot of really cool stuff together. We had uh, taco nights, like, once a month or something. I got a picture there. Uh, That's me, like, from left to right. We've got Simeon, Raul, uh, yours truly, uh, Cole, David, and Russell. Uh, We were a bunch of really cool guys. Uh, I still keep in touch with a lot of them. We live in four different states now. Um, I stood in several of their weddings, and uh, it was great. Um... This idea of community, if you've ever lived with people like, in close, commun- close contact, um, like you can get in each other's nerves every once in a while. And we did. Uh, but we did some really cool stuff, too. And I remember uh, one day, maybe a couple months into the semester, uh, Raul was like, hey, why don't, we, why don't we pray together on Saturday mornings? It's like, not a bad idea. And so we kind of sat together in the living room every Saturday morning, and we just started praying. And one of the things that happens when you do that is you begin getting real with each other you begin getting vulnerable with each other, and you begin sharing things that are like really on your heart. Uh, And it it created this like really close bond between each other, between us. And we talked about uh, all sorts of stuff, from school frustrations, frustrations with each other, uh, dating relationships, um, frustrations with family, divorce, all all kind of stuff. Um, But through the whole year, it was just this amazing year where we got to celebrate together, laugh together, pray together, uh, grieve together, all sorts of stuff. Uh, But at the very end of that year, uh, Raul, was, uh, he had a mountain bike. He's like, hey, let's go to the lake, and we're going to go mountain biking. None of us, uh, we all knew how to ride bikes, which is cool, but none of us had actually been mountain biking. And so we went out, and I've got another picture here. Uh, we went out to the lake to go mountain biking, and uh, really smart of us, we had one water bottle between all of us on the ride. And so, because when you're in college, you think about things like that. And so we're like, we're like maybe like nine miles in, and we're like, man, I'm kind of thirsty. And Simeon, who was the most responsible of all of us, was, was like, I got some water. What? A, okay. And so he like shares his water. So we were like just taking sips because we're like nine miles away from where we need to be like to get back. So we're just like taking sips to get through it. Um, but we finally like we were able to use and we were survived and we got through it. And then we finally get back to where we're going and uh, we got to chill by the lake. And like to this day, I think that day was the best sunset that I've ever experienced because... Everything tasted sweeter that day because we had that entire semester, that entire really year rather, uh, just getting to know each other and then like suffering and sweating and almost passing out on the trail that day. Uh, When we get back, everything tastes a lot sweeter. I think this next picture, uh, even that stuff, because when you're in college and poor, you you make chili and hot dogs (laughs) and that's what we ate. Uh, And it was delicious. I don't care what anybody says or what it looks like. It was amazing. Um, And then I think I got one or two more pictures. Um, no filter uh, it was just this golden day at the lake uh, and I, I found out a couple of things that day um, one, you can do a lot more than you think you're capable of especially when you have people around you that can support you two, whenever you, whenever you uh, go through trials and you go through obstacles together it brings you a lot closer together to those people and whenever you sit on the other side of one of those trials or the other one of those obstacles, life just tastes sweeter um so this idea of community, I've been reading a lot about this guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a theologian in the 20th century around World War II. Uh, and he says community can be something as small as, uh, as a married couple and as big as humanity, and everything in between. And so whether you know it or not, uh, just by being a part of humanity, like you're, you're a part of a community. And so then I ask the question, how do we live life in community well? How do we go through that? So I've got a couple examples in the Bible today that I want us to look at. Uh, so if you could, in front of you, you've got some Bibles in the chairs. Um, but turn to Exodus chapter 32. We're going to talk about a guy named Moses for a few minutes. So uh, before we get to where we are, this is uh, Moses. They just got out of Egypt. And so uh, they're hanging out in the desert. And Moses has to go away to talk with God for a while. And so he leaves his kind of like second-in-command Aaron to kind of watch over everybody. And so Aaron... Uh, the people are like talking to him and they're like, hey, uh, we need some gods to go before us so we know where to go, so we know what to do. And Saran says like, okay, I know how to do this. So everybody bring me your gold, bring me your silver, uh, bring it to me and then I'm gonna, he says, I'm gonna craft it, I'm gonna throw in the fire and he crafts this like golden calf. And so the people are like, cool, like now we have this golden calf and we're gonna follow this instead, which seems like really dumb, right? Uh, I was thinking like, what, like how could we imagine like that today? I was thinking, like, if you, as a parent, like, you leave, uh, you go to work, whatever, and you come back home, and your kids, like, threw glitter all over the house, and said, I'm going to start following and obeying this stuffed animal. And you're like, that's, that's ridiculous, right? <clears throat> and so, even when, when Moses comes back down, like, he's super, super annoyed with them. And he's like, what, like, what happened? I was gone for 10 minutes. And Aaron says, well, like, I took this gold, and I threw it in the fire, and, like, out popped this golden calf. And we decided to follow it. He's like, you got to be kidding me, guys. Like, we came from oppression in Egypt and following them. And now we have this God who brought us out of this and rescued us. <clears throat> and now we're free, but you still decide that you want to like, follow something. There's something that you need and that God isn't good enough for you. Uh, what was even worse about this is that this uh, following, following anything other than God meant that you would be separated from God. And so Moses knew this and he was thinking to himself, my people are going to be separated from God for, forever if they continue down this path. And so in Exodus 32, verse 31, as Moses goes back after this event, he's talking to his people, or talking to God, rather. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now, please forgive their sin. If not, then blot me out of the book you have written. And so what Moses means by that is he says, if my people can't be in community with God, even though I have community with God, I'm going to forsake that. I'm going to walk away from this communion with God, which is the most intimate and best and fulfilling thing you can ever imagine. Moses walks away from that and says, if my people can't have that communion with God too because of their sin, because of their transgressions, I don't want that else. He sacrifices that and he gave up his advantage with God for that. Now, uh, we're going to fast forward a couple thousand years to uh, Romans, where Paul's talking. So if you could turn over in your books, in your Bibles, to Romans, chapter 9. It's going to be kind of a similar story, but uh, Paul is writing Romans, and he's talking to uh, the people in Rome, the church in Rome, and this is just after Jesus came and so all these Jews who are like now following Christ are like I've decided to follow the way of Christ but they don't really know what that means. They've got this entire history of life of, uh, of their, their way of living and they're not quite sure what to do and so Paul begins telling them hey these are some, some ways that you can live some ways that you can follow Christ uh, what can you hold on to with your Jewish heritage and, and what can you let go of how can you move forward? And so Paul says something pretty similar to what Moses said in chapter 9, verse 1. Paul says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption to sonship. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human, human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. And so Paul takes, takes a similar position. His, his people are, are the Jews. That's his, that's his community. And he also says, if, if my people can't be in communion with God, because they can't get their act together, or whatever it is that's going on in their lives, if, I can't be, if they can't be with God, I don't want to be with God either, because I want to give that up so that I might bring more into community with God. And so Paul and Moses both are giving up uh, the best, most rich, fulfilling, intimate thing that you can ever imagine. They're both giving that up for the sake of their community. They're giving up that advantage, and they're sacrificing something really huge. Um, So it's July. It's kind of hot outside. I'm hoping today's a little cooler. Uh, And so I was thinking, uh, like around Christmas time, because it's a lot cooler. And I remember when I was growing up at Christmas time, my mom brought down like all the Christmas decorations uh, from the attic, and she always had this book called Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. Um, some of you may have heard of it as a story like in the 70s, I don't know. Um, Big Bird looks kind of sad up there, because it's kind of a sad story, but it ends up really great. Um, but it like follows like, all the characters in it, uh, but the one story that stands out to me a lot is the story between Bird and Ernie, um, and so Bert and Ernie, if you know, they live together like best buds and they're thinking about what can I get, uh, Bert's like, what can I get Ernie for Christmas? Ernie's like, what can I get Bert for Christmas? And so uh, Ernie is like, I, he loves, he has this little rubber duck. It's like his favorite thing in the world. He sings songs with it, he dances with it. He's like, you know what? He goes to Mr. Hooper's store and he says, hey Mr. Hooper, uh, I need, this, I need this, uh, this case for Ernie's, or for Bert's uh, paperclip collection. But Ernie doesn't have any money. And so he says, well, I can give you my, my rubber duck if you can give me this, this case. And so Mr. Hooper is like, okay. And so he, he gives him the case and he takes the rubber duck. And so then, like, as, as Ernie's leaving the store, Bert comes in, and he's like, hey, Mr. Hooper, I need something, I need like a dish for, for Bert or Ernie's uh, rubber duck. And so Mr. Hooper's like, well, I've got this dish, and Ernie also, or Bert also says, well, I don't really have any money, so how about I give you this paperclip collection? It's really great. He starts naming all the paperclip collections, and he gives him this paperclip collection in exchange for this thing, for the soap, soap dish. For uh, yeah. And so what ends up happening is they go to open each other's gifts, uh, and Bert and Ernie they gave up the thing that they cherished most, so that their uh, their friend could enjoy the <clears> same. <throat> uh, it ends up in a good place because then Mr. Hooper comes in a few minutes later, after they're exchanging gifts, and says, "Hey, I got y'all something for Christmas too." And then he ends up giving them uh, both their paperclip collection and the rubber duckies back, which is great. Uh, but Bert and Ernie had no expectation that they're going to get the thing that they cherish the most back in return. Um, they're willing to give that up for their best friend. And I think sometimes for us, as we're in the midst of community, as we're in the midst of, with our families and our friends, uh, we're, we want to hold on too tightly to our own paperclip collections or our own rubber ducks because we're afraid that if we give those up, that we're not going to get anything back in return, that it's going to leave some sort of void or chasm in our souls that's not going to be filled by something or someone. And so all of these these different stories, with it was uh, my friends uh, back in college, with Moses and Paul, with Bert and Ernie, uh, the one thing that ties them all together is that they loved somebody else more than what was important to them or more than their own self or their own stuff. And so... Uh, this, this Bonhoeffer guy, what he says um, is that love demands that we give up our own advantage. Dietrich uh, Bonhoeffer, I said, was a theologian during the 20th century in Nazi Germany. And if you're familiar with the story, what, what he does is uh, he's looking around at the atrocities that's happening from Hitler and, and going on around him. And he says, I, I can't stand to let this continue to happen. Uh, and Bonhoeffer was a pacifist, so he didn't believe in violence of any sort. Uh, and he loved his country a lot. That was, that was his community. And he was willing to forgo both of those things, to betray his country. And uh, he set up an assassination attempt on Hitler. And he said, I need to do this because I can't stand by and let this happen. And so Bonhoeffer uh, ended up getting, uh, he got caught with his brothers and some other family and some of his friends. Uh, they were put in concentration camps and eventually hung. And so when he says that love demands that we give up our own advantage, when he wrote that, he didn't know that's where he was going to end up. But he said that, like, this, things, this, this privilege that I have to be able to do these things, like, I'm going to give that up for the, sake of, for the sake of my community. And so I want to ask y'all, like, who is your community? Uh, maybe it's your spouse your partner. It's uh, your family. It's the city you live in. Maybe you're part of a small group. You're part of a sports team uh, your school, your state, your country, uh, who is it in your community that you look around and say, these, these are my people. And then once you find out who is in your community, what's keeping you from experiencing true community, the intimacy that will allow you to say, like, I'll give up the best and the most of anything that I could hold on tightly to. I'll give that up for the sake of that community. And what's keeping you from that? Uh, Maybe it's because you're afraid of of being real with them. Because if you're real, that means you have to be vulnerable. And sometimes being vulnerable leads to pain. Maybe it's you're afraid of being rejected. That if you bring your real self and are true, that they're going to reject you and let you down. And so you build these walls up around you to protect yourself. Maybe you have some sort of resentment or anger towards somebody or a group of people. They said something that cut you really deep and you just, you just can't get over that. You just can't get to this level of forgiveness of them. Maybe you've experienced grief or loss and that nobody around you seems to understand it. Uh, maybe you just have this intense desire and need to be right. That no matter what everybody says, they might have a different stance or ideology or viewpoint, whatever it is, and you can come to them with lo- evidence and logic and reason. You may even have scripture to support yourself. And you bring that all to the table, and at the end of it, you're 100 miles away from the people that you're trying to convince. What community means is you have to wrestle with the difficult things in life. You have to deal with your, your inner soul, what's going on, and you have to let go of things. It means dealing with the mess that comes with simply being a human. But I can guarantee you that when you, when you wrestle through that, and you can figure out that Man, I love these people, this community, my people, more than, more than I love myself, you begin to let go of those things that keep you from experiencing true community. Uh, life is going to taste a whole lot sweeter. Just like that chili and hot dogs that I had before looks terrible. It was so, so good. And so I ask you, what advantage is love asking you to give up for community? What are those things in your life that are keeping you from experiencing that love and that community with others? Because when you become so focused on just yourself and what's going on around you and your world, you miss the bigger picture of what's going on around you. You miss that love and that connection, that community that God designed us to have with each other. And so in just a minute, we're actually uh, going to have communion together. We're going to share that. And just as Christ said that, do this in remembrance of me. Take this bread, take this wine, take this cup. Christ came down from heaven to join in this community on earth this community of humanity. And he said, I want to share in the sufferings that you have. I want to share in the joy that you have. I want to share in all of that. And just as Christ did that, we're going to do that together. And so uh, would you join me in in prayer as our uh, people come forward? Father God, we thank you um, for today. God, we thank you that you put in us a a spirit and a desire and a need for community, to, uh, to have each other and to hold each other. Uh, to be with each other through the thick and the thin of life. Um, Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand and know what things that we need to give up, uh, what advantage, what privilege that we need to give up so we can experience true community with others. Um, Lord, may you bless us, may you keep us. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.